This podcast is the design of City Sites Urban Media, and our goal is to bring into focus the difference between culture and God's ideas found in His Word. To learn more, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com. I've been out here going on two years. I was running from a domestic violence situation. My husband is abusive, was abusive, and I came out here to start over not knowing that it's pretty rough to get housing out here. Learning to sleep outside has been really hard. To close your eyes and go to sleep, you tend to stay up. Many people don't appreciate veterans or they look at people in, that are homeless as worthless. We're not, we all have feelings. We all care as much as the next person. We feel the same as we did when we had money, but we, ha- we have very little money to live on and to eat on. My husband passed away, I had a nervous breakdown, and I had nowhere to go. Veterans returning from the front lines are facing a sad and stunning statistic. By one estimate, nearly 50,000 veterans will experience homelessness each year. But there are new efforts to help vets who have fallen through the cracks. I never figured I'd be in this kind of situation for my kids to be in this kind of situation. This American dream, mm, it's a whole bunch of crap in my eyes. It's all a bunch of crap. This is the City Sites Podcast with Larry Kutzler. Homelessness is a problem in America. Over a half a million Americans are homeless and needlessly suffer every night. 194,000 people sleep on the street across America every night. 18% are chronically homeless, according to HUD, and 7% are veterans. Homelessness can be caused by all kinds of things. Family violence, mental health issues, physical health issues that result as a part of an accident at work and all the bills that mount up. Loss of employment, underemployment or inability to gain a new job, limited housing and rental stress, drug and alcohol addiction, which can occur after being homeless. And also, there are many, many traumatic experiences. Today on the podcast, I want to zero in on one program in Northeast Minneapolis where one church decided that they could make a difference with the homeless in their community. Pastor Becky Hansen is with me, and she's the founder of Hope Avenue. Becky, some 13 years ago, you started Hope Avenue. When you started this ministry, you thought you were helping the homeless. But I know since then, the homeless has changed your life. So we'll talk about the homeless here in this podcast, but I want to know what lessons you personally have learned from working with the homeless here in Northeast Minneapolis. Mm, That's a good question, Larry. I think one of the scriptures that particularly comes to mind for me is going to be out of 2 Corinthians 1.12. This has been a foundational scripture for me where Paul says, my proud confidence is this, I've kept from you the worldly wisdom, but I have given to you holiness and godliness in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are powerful words. And so, yes, it was about compassion. Yes, it was about giving people food and clothing. But in a greater way, it was about listening to what God had. I did not want to start a homeless ministry. I didn't know how to do it. I recognize that I'm enough of a perfectionist that I didn't know the how-to, the when-to. I didn't know the advocates. And yet the spirit in prayer was very insistent and told me to, to move forward. 
and I had every confidence that the Lord would lead me. Oh, we made all kinds of mistakes. Uh, There were many opportunities. We didn't have a clue what we were doing. We were pretty chaotic. I thought I was taking a team out, leading a team to care for people for that first winter. I never gave a thought to 13 years from now. I just gave a thought to what God was telling me the next step was going to be. And here we are now, 13 years later. Well, I know recently I heard you say that uh, it would be difficult for you to go back to a traditional congregational role as a pastor because of your love and your calling, I guess, to the marginalized. Talk to me a little bit about that, because you've really changed. Oh, I've changed. Maslow's theory tells us that on each of the steps, self-actualization is the last step. And with it being the last step, self-actualization will bring with it religious practice. I don't find that with the people that I work with. I find people on the very first step of that theory who are clinging to Jesus. Yes, there are people out there experiencing homelessness who have nothing, no awareness of who God is, but we have them also in our culture. What I find on the streets are my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Different paths of maturity, different understandings. But as a ministry, my ministry that I lead is not a ministry of compassion. It is not a social ministry. The ministry that I lead is the church, and we are doing the work of the church. And so Jesus peppers everything we do. He peppers our language. He peppers how we respond. He peppers how we expect others to respond when they're in our midst. And so as the people of God, we are doing the work of God. With that being said, I am not able to go to a church that is not involved in social outreach like we are. It's a part of my heart. I didn't realize, Larry, that there was call in there for me. I wasn't trained for this type of ministry back in seminary, and yet God's call is there. God is inviting me to be his hands and his feet. It's extremely rewarding. It's extremely satisfying because at the end of the day, I served an audience of one. I love that. And I heard you also say recently, Pastor Becky, that there are people out there that work with the homeless from a systemic standpoint, and they they want some sort of reason for why these folks are the way they are and the condition they find themselves in. But you said something different to me. You said that I do it as a pastor, as a Christian woman working with Mm -hmm. these folks, and you're doing it as a ministry. You're not necessarily judging them or trying to find a systemic reason. You just want to minister the love of God. Is that right? Well, that is correct. When we look at the four parallel passages on spiritual gifts, we become aware of the various different gifts. The spiritual gift that the Lord has knit into me is that of pastor-teacher. That is my heartbeat. And while I can lead, and while I can administrate, mine is about pastoring. Mine is about flocking people, coming around people in their pain and in their joy, embracing them with the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus. The way I lead is such that I allow those who have the gift of administration to do that, that those with the gift of service can do that. 
those with the gift of faith, oh my goodness, we ask them to be mobilized to pour out the gift of faith upon our, our ministry. My work is not to be doing it systemically. I leave that to my colleagues and with just a passion and intentionality about them. But give me people who need. Give me people who don't know about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit covers me, and I chase it down. I can't do it by myself, Larry. I can't. I don't have anything within me that causes me to seek this. But I truly believe it's the enabling and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that drives me forward. And I think that's the authenticity of a work well done in his name, right? I mean, it's not your your giftedness. I mean, you are gifted, obviously, but I think it's the authenticity of the Holy Spirit working through you. Mm -hmm. So as Mm -hmm. a Christian leader... What is the role of the church in homelessness? I know a lot of churches, they don't really talk about this much. They don't necessarily, they're not practitioners in helping the homeless much either. So how do you present Hope Avenue to potential volunteers? What do you say to people about the homeless, which is oftentimes the homeless are, they're held in a little bit of suspect. People aren't sure why they're homeless and they must be homeless for a reason and I don't really want to know that reason, so they sort of avoid it. But how do you gain your volunteers or what do you say to people to come and join you? Boy, that's a good question. Because for me, I believe very strongly in the movement of the Holy Spirit. When we are going to do a volunteer training, we always pray first before we ever get in that room. I don't know if I'm going to be recruiting 40 volunteers or if I'm going to recruit one. What I'm asking for is for somebody that God can use their heart. And so when we come together, we just simply tell the story, the story of God and how he invited us as common, ordinary people in the middle of northeast Minneapolis who didn't have any experience with homelessness, but we wanted to make a difference. And so we took that step forward. God has blessed it. This is what we've done. When I talk about the various parts of the ministry, we have the parts of the ministry based on the gift. The intercessors, we don't generally see them at church. They receive a newsletter from me once a week, and they are busy praying. The gift of giving will come forward several times a year and give the money that allows us to do the ministry. The gift of teaching, I've got those individuals who are leading in our Bible study and in our discipleship class. We've got two recovery classes where a man and a woman who have been caught in the traps of addiction and who were set free of those bonds, those chains of bondage, are in there now helping other captives to get free. And so when I talk about the work that we do, I believe that God uses it to snag people in a reality where they have been. Gosh, I can help in the clothing closet. I can help wipe tables. I'm a welcoming person. I can serve on Sunday mornings, moving from table to table, welcoming people. And so again, it comes down to the spiritual gifts, which according to Ephesians 4, were given for the work of the church to build up the ecclesia. But I will tell you that I'm very careful not to look 
through disparaging eyes at other churches who aren't doing the same work that we do. They might be churches that are involved with trafficking. They might be churches that are involved in the prison. They're churches that God has doing other work. But I'll tell you what, it was a gift of faith and it was a gift of uncomfortableness to step out under the shadows and say, okay, Lord, I'll follow you into this, not having a clue what we're doing. When I think of Zion Baptist over in North Minneapolis, Zion Baptist raised their hands and said, pick us, pick us. They are now going to be Hope Avenue North Campus. And whereas Hope Avenue in Northeast is open on Sunday mornings, Zion Baptist is going to be open on Saturdays from 9 until 3 p.m. as a place for people to come in. They will replicate themselves as our model has been, and yet I look at their pastor and say, you do as the Lord leads you to do. He doesn't cause us to be cookie cutters, but the Spirit does call us and cause us to live in the Spirit. I love your story, Pastor Becky. It's really a story of faith. It's a story of Mm -hmm. courage. It's a story of just stepping out in the story in the Bible where Peter steps out of the boat and he sees Jesus at a distance and the waves and whatever were so tumultuous and yet he decided to get out of the boat. And that's really what you've done here. Well, as you said that, what it reminds me of is in Mark 4, where Jesus looks at the disciples and said, Come with me, we're going to go across the lake. Well, first of all, at night, it was believed in the Jewish tradition that the demonic lived in the lake at night, and no good Jew would go on the lake at night. And yet Jesus says, we're going to go across the sea. Well, where are they going? They're going to the Gerasenes. They are going to the hell pit of the region. They are going to the land that worships the pig. No good Jew would go there. And yet, the Jewish thought was that if we go there, we will become unclean. Whereas Jesus says, I'm going there clean that others who are unclean can be made clean. And he went to find one man. He went on a search and rescue mission for one man, a demoniac, a man who was so oppressed, so oppressed. And yet at the end of that pericope, That man is in his right mind. He's been delivered by Christ. He's clothed and he's sitting there and he entreats Jesus. He hangs on Jesus. He begs, take me with you, take me with you. And Jesus looks at him and says, no, I want you to go home and I want you to tell your family and your neighbors about the power of God and what he has done for you. Wow. I love that. That I love it. Jesus then left, but Jesus, I believe it's Matthew 15, is in that same region up on the hillside, and out of the Gerasenes, poor men and women and children coming to Jesus, not necessarily because they knew him as Savior, but because of the story of a man who had been healed from being a demoniac, man who told his story faithfully, a man that Jesus left as an evangelist, in the middle of the helpit of the region, and that man was faithful to the work he was asked to do. Powerful story. It is. Such a great illustration, Pastor Becky. Just great. It is. One last question I have for you today, and it has to do with something I've noticed as a part of Hope Avenue. It's sort of inbred in the DNA, and it is this idea 
for respect and honor to those who have been marginalized around us. Sometimes we think because somebody is homeless or they're uh, the working poor, something along those lines, we don't always give them the same attention we would for somebody who is perhaps in a much better place in life. So tell us about this honor and respect for all people, regardless where they find themselves in life. Well, the scripture tells us that you and I as believers were made in the image of God in righteousness, holiness, and truth. When I look into the face of someone, I see the face of Jesus Christ. Matthew 25 tells us, when, when, Lord, when, when did I come around you? When did I help you? When, when were you hungry? When were you thirsty? When did I give you a drink? When were you a stranger? We don't know who the people are that we encounter. And Larry, we don't know the purposes that God has on that life. And so my team and I greet people as image bearers of who God is. We greet people into their potential and not where they've been. I greet felons. I don't care where they've been. I care how they act today. We all need a fresh start, and the Scripture tells us that His mercies are new every morning. I don't know about you, but I need that. I don't know about you, but I'm a sinner. And in the name of the Lord Jesus is my only hope. Our name is Hope Avenue. We are hope bearers. We bear the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Denigration, racial name-calling behavior is not going to be allowed in Hope Avenue. I even tell the young men to pull up your pants because we are in there as people. We have entered the holy of holies. We've entered into God's house. And in the name of Jesus, when we make that faith decision to say, Christ, yes, I believe with Martha. Yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into this place. The Holy Spirit inhabits us, and we become the holy of holies. My responsibility as a believer, not as a pastor, but as a believer, is to see God in other people. And I try to do it faithfully. Every Sunday at Supermobile Church, the homeless from Dallas, Texas come. They fill the entire sanctuary, and they also fill all the overflow chairs and tents on the parking lot. In addition to the offer of Christ, we also feed them. So we feed them before the service where we have kind of a continental breakfast. When they leave, we give each homeless person $2. That means they can go into a McDonald's and buy a coffee and buy an egg McMuffin. And they don't have to stand at the, store, the door and beg. So that $2 represents a lot of dignity. The homeless have never had their own home church until now. Thank you for joining us today. Every Friday we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are part of the City Sites network of communicators all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com. This is the City Sites Podcast Network.